independent audit is a specialist consultancy focusing on governance effectiveness. We look principally at the effectiveness of boards of directors and board committees. We also look at effectiveness of internal audit functions, external audit, compliance and risk management. We've been around for about 20 years. Our client base is in the UK, Ireland and continental Europe. We also have an online platform called Thinking Board, which is a really insightful way of doing a board evaluation. This is Engage Governance, the podcast series from the Chartered Governance Institute, UK and Ireland. In today's podcast, I'm talking to Susan Stenson, a partner at Independent Audit, where she runs a team of board effectiveness professionals. We're going to be talking about ESG initiatives and how governance professionals can work with the board to implement changes. Susan, perhaps you could start by telling us a little bit about your background and why you'd like to focus on ESG initiatives today. Sure. Hi, Rachel. Really nice to be here on the podcast today. Um, So my background, actually, originally I trained as a corporate lawyer in one of the big city law firms and moved from corporate law to in-house lawyering Mm -hmm. and then from that to become board secretary and head of governance in a big financial services institution. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, pretty much for the last 20 years, I've been working directly with boards across the UK and Europe and, you know, absolutely love the impact that both my profession can have and that boards have on the organizations that Mm -hmm. they're overseeing, but also on society as a whole. It's something that really has struck me over the course of the last 20 years, the emergence of, you know, stakeholder capitalism or ESG or whoever Mm -hmm. you want to call it, um, to my mind is a really positive thing um, and should have a positive impact on society. And so Mm. when you ask me to do the podcast today on ESG and the role that governance professionals can play, which is right in my sweet spot, I should say. (laughs) That sounds perfect. What do you think the current landscape is on ESG? Can you summarise the present situation as you see it? Yeah. um, So to be honest, Rachel, I think it's very confused and confusing. Mm. Um, There's obviously a lot of discussion around ESG. Mm. um, And, you know, ESG is an acronym. The words are obvious, environmental, Mm. um, societal and governance. But, Mm. you know, it actually means something different to every individual, um, Mm. let alone every organization. Mm. And so I think that's where a lot of the confusion comes from. Um, there have been some people who suggest that we should look at ESG investing um, separate mm. from ESG as boards are considering ESG mm. um, and that that might be giving rise to some of the confusion. You know, ESG ratings is not the same as what a, a board director might think when they think ESG. Mm. Um, but, you know, to my mind, actually, it's what's underlying ESG and the phenomenon of ESG that's important. Mm -hmm. And really, that is just common sense in terms of, you know, what are the important things um, for organizations and for society at any point in time? And just taking that step back uh, and understanding what that means for you as an individual, for you as an organization, or for you as a board. Um, And really, the label ESG isn't that important, as it were. Yeah. Yes, that does make sense. So how can a governance professional um, get their board to see ESG as a positive opportunity and not just another legislative tick box exercise that they've been forced to complete? Yeah, I mean, I think this kind of connects very strongly with my first point, which is Mm. 
Um, it really is about doing all the things that a board should be doing anyway. And so I think one of the things that's scaring boards away from meaningful ESG conversations is they don't want another burdensome um, set of discussions or tasks mm. when they already have very full agendas. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually, I think as a governance professional, what you can do is really contextualize it as these are things that the board is doing anyway, for the most part. And mm-hmm. what we need to do is just look at them under the umbrella of ESG, which can yeah. be broken down into scores of different categories. Um, and company secretary can really help the board to go through an exercise of figuring out which of these aspects are important to us. Mm. Um, what do they mean for our organization? What do they mean now? What might they mean in the future? And how do they mm. connect in with our purpose um, yeah. and our strategy. And by looking at it through the angle of, okay, these are topics, um, maybe risks or opportunities that as a board, we're probably looking at already. If we're not, yeah. we probably should, at least to exclude them. Yeah. Um, I think that's less scary, as it were, for the board um, and yeah. less of a burden. Once they've managed to persuade the board that they need to have an in-depth conversation, where should that conversation start? I think it should start with purpose. Why do we exist? Um, who are our stakeholders, I think, is mm. the next question. So I think they're the two foundational questions. So mm. what is our purpose and who are our stakeholders? And I think if you start to build a view of, of those two things as a board, um, everything else flows from us. You know, so you know your stakeholders are how to prioritize them. And therefore, what's our strategy that matches that purpose and those mm. stakeholder objectives? Um, I think that's the, the, the right place to start. Mm. And unfortunately, it, it's not what I see happening mm. for the large part. So what seems to happen is, um, you know, a board director or a board in general um, has an idea that ESG means possibly solely the environmental mm. aspect, which whilst being fundamentally important and urgent, um, oftentimes is not the most important thing for that particular organization in this moment in time. Um, And so by going through the exercise of looking at it as a much broader thing in Mm. terms of your stakeholders and your purpose, you're less likely to be funneled down an avenue that may not be the most important one for your organization at that moment. Yes, absolutely. It, it is true that sometimes there's an overfocus on one aspect and the environment does come up quite a lot. So if if our governance professionals do find that their board's getting overly fixated on the environment aspect, um, can you explain a bit more about the role that governance plays when it comes to addressing ESG as a whole? Um, yeah, sure. So I think strong governance is really the foundation for everything. So mm-hmm. it enables the board to see all of the different aspects of ESG. So Maybe it helps if I can give you a few examples to Mm. explain what I mean. A decent board has solid risk monitoring in place. And -hmm. through that risk monitoring as part of its governance framework, it will see environmental risk and where it sits in terms of what the organization is doing. Um, It will also see some of the risks attached to different stakeholders. So, for example, shareholder activism, you know, all of these things should be coming through in a solid Mm -hmm. risk monitoring system. And so that part of the governance, if it's working well, enables ESG to become something real and something Mm -hmm. solid for the board. Mm -hmm. Um, Another area of governance that is very important will be around um, remuneration discussions. Mm -hmm. So how do we remunerate our executives and how does that connect in with our purpose um, and our strategic objectives? If the board is doing that well, you're more likely to have that alignment um, with your executive team around the things that really matter for the organization. 
Mm -hmm. um, another aspect of governance, if it's working well, would be in terms of the UK Companies Act Section 172, mm -hmm. where there's already been an obligation on boards for a number of years to look at each decision and to look at each discussion uh, with the lens of various different stakeholders. If the board is doing that bit of its governance well, it's likely to be ahead of the game in terms of some of these different stakeholder discussions yeah. that are necessary on ESG. Right in my space, if you have an effective board, mm -hmm. uh, which is a cornerstone of your governance, you are very likely um, to be addressing, as I said earlier, all these different aspects of ESG in one way or another. Um, so for me, the governance piece really is the foundation. And if that's solid, you're much more likely to be doing a good bit of the other stuff that you need to be doing. Do you think thinking in that way could help um, alleviate some of the feeling that perhaps there's, a, there's all these vast areas of ESG to cover, but you've only got the same amount of meeting time? Is that one way that you can make sure everything gets covered? Yeah, I think that is one way, Rachel. But not the only way. So mm. this whole question of not having enough meeting time and not having enough board time to cover all of the aspects that boards need to cover um, is so prevalent. And I think mm. pretty much every board that we work with has the same issue. And I think mm. it's particularly acute in the regulated sector where there's mm. so much regulated activity that boards have to get through. Um, and all the more reason why boards need to be absolutely clear on what their priorities are. Mm. Um, and that might mean looking at the full spectrum of ESG priorities and saying, look, they can't all be priorities. We can't do them all this year. And so we are making a decision in view of our purpose and our strategy mm. to prioritize X, Y, and Z. And that mm. might be relations with the community, diversity, inclusion, and equality, and climate risk, um, and setting aside or at least delaying major board engagement on some of the other aspects of ESG. It really connects into this uh, first conversation or early conversation that boards need to have is like, how does this match our organization? How does it match our purpose? And where does it fit with our strategy in terms mm. of the strategic cycle that we're in now and where we want to be going? And do you think there's ever a risk that boards can get distracted from that focused way of thinking by what's happening in current affairs, for example, if we've decided that the environment is what we want to focus on, and then something comes up that perhaps highlights equality, how do they balance those two? All of the topics that we've discussed here necessarily involve trade-offs by boards, mm. and that's where things do become complicated. Mm. And that's where the need to go back to your purpose um, mm. really becomes very obvious because you can become distracted and sometimes rightly, but mm. sometimes that distraction actually doesn't serve your organizational purpose. Mm. Um, and so if you're very, very clear on that, I think that the answers to those questions as they come up and they should come up and these topics mm. should come into the boardroom and there should be a sensible discussion around, okay, is this important for us now? Does it apply to us now? How does it connect to our purpose? But for me, it's that really foundational purpose piece that will help mm. boards um, to be able to make these inevitable trade-offs. And what's the best way for an organisation to communicate its ESG initiatives to all its different stakeholder groups? Is there a, a magic or preferred formula? And, and what about taking into account greenwashing risk when communicating um, on ESG? This is absolutely massive. Um, mm. I'm, I'm sure you're aware of all the new reporting requirements coming the way of boards and, and mm. you know, that just layering on top of a lot of what 
um, boards are having to look at in terms of reporting already. It's really not easy, but I think it does become more obvious um, when you're very sound in terms of what your ESG story is and what's important, what you have determined as a board is important in the way that I described earlier Mm. Um, and to communicate that that out through the organisation and for that to be the framework within which you communicate in your um, non-financial reporting and annual reporting as well. Um, I think where you see things going really badly wrong is where there seems to be a disconnect between what the board is looking at in terms of the topics on the agenda and the organization strategy and then the environmental report in the annual Mm. report. And the two just don't really seem to marry up. Mm. Um, And so I think that being very clear as a board on what is our ESG story on the basis of all of this work that we've done and looking at our stakeholders, looking how that connects into our purpose then that becomes the container, as it were, for the communication within the organization um, and in your official reporting. Mm. Um, And also one thing that's really important is how individual directors recognize their ESG story and tell it to everybody that they're encountering. Mm. Um, And all of these things should really look and feel the same. Mm. Um, And I think for many organizations, we're not quite there yet because regulatory requirements are changing so fast Mm. and it's very hard for boards to keep up with them. Um, But, you know, I'm sounding like a broken down record, but if you do (laughs) keep connecting back into that overall purpose, overall strategic objectives, who are our stakeholders, therefore these bits are important to Mm. us. I think your story starts to emerge very naturally. Yes. And something else that's come up when I'm covering ESG as well is that thinking about it's not something that stands separate from the organisation, like you said, that purpose and strategy, but something that should be embedded throughout it so that then, like you said, they're naturally part of the same thing and the same um, overall purpose of the organisation. Yeah, no, that that's absolutely right. Um, and sometimes where you see the disconnect is where the organization hasn't received that message from the top. Mm. And so the board hasn't been clear on those overarching things are. Mm. Um, and then it's harder to kind of make those connections and bring it together as a whole. And, you know, that's fine. And you, you mentioned greenwashing earlier, mm. Rachel. I think um, in a way, one of the more important aspects of all of this is just being completely honest and saying Mm. look we're not able to do all of this now we have decided as a board that these are the bits that are more important and therefore that's what we're focused on we haven't lost sight of the other bits but we have prioritized Mm. Um, and I think that level of honesty even in your your you know official reporting Mm. is um, absolutely essential Um, you need to be transparent about the things that you know you're not doing and why you're not doing them for now as well as the things that you're focusing on and you're doing and you're executing and are coming through yes absolutely better to do some things well rather than trying to do everything and not doing it so well and how do you know whether you might need a non-executive director on the board who specializes in ESG and And if you do, where would you find one? Or are there any alternative ways of making sure you have the right expertise on the board? Again, this connects back to the earlier point of, do you know what ESG means for your organization? And you Mm. may have determined that actually it's not the environment for the moment, um, but it is a real focus on DE&I or it Mm. is something else. And then that will inform the kind of expertise that you need in the board. Um, I don't think there's really any such thing as a, 
E an ESG expert, that anyone mm. who is an expert in all of those things and who's going to be the magic bullet who comes into the board and helps the board sort it all out. Yeah. You know, we've just been talking about the fact that it's it's multifaceted and it really mm. covers so many different things. Um, so I think once as a board, you've been through the exercise of deciding what it means for you um, and how it fits within your strategy. Um, you then look at your board composition in the way that you should be periodically anyway um, mm. and saying, okay, we have this real gap in DEI as an organization, mm. we're really focusing on that. Number one is our board um, composed in a, in a diverse way that would help us through that thinking. Or mm. is there a need to have somebody with deep expertise in DEI in the board um, that will help us oversee and challenge management and get through that aspect? I don't think there is an easy fix for this. I think mm. it's that process of understanding your board composition and how it fits with everything that you're trying to do. Some of these very technical aspects of ESG, like climate risk or biodiversity risk, mm. um, it's very hard to go out and find somebody who has all of the other aspects that they might need to become a non-executive, like industry knowledge for the particular mm. organization. Boards can and are looking at bringing in consultancies who can mm. help with that. Um, or getting expertise in different ways, maybe really um, bringing somebody through the management team to sit side by side with the board and help the board bring it together. There are other ways of doing it. Um, mm. It's very individual um, mm. to each particular board and organisation. And could an ESG committee be an option? Yes, absolutely. Um, and we're seeing more and more um, boards set up ESG committees. Whether you set up an ESG committee and what the ESG committee is set up to do mm. will both be very much determined by some of the earlier things we were talking about in terms of what are we focusing on, where are we on our journey, mm. um, and therefore what would we need a committee to assist the board on. Mm. Um, and so, for example, if you have as a board set your net zero ambition, but you don't have a transition plan to get to net zero, you might very well delegate to an ESG committee working with management um, on that transition plan, bringing it to the board for input and approval eventually. Mm. Um, the important thing is to remember the ultimate responsibility as with everything where things are delegated to board committees, the ultimate responsibility lies with the board as a mm. whole. Um, and therefore, the interaction between the committee and the board needs to be very clear. Mm -hmm. um, and the board needs to be able to take the input from the committee and really incorporate it into its kind of strategic thinking and risk analysis um, overall work. So it's not that you set up an ESG committee and the board doesn't have to do anything anymore, but the ESG committee will then assist the board um, in the way that the board sees fit at that moment in time. And what's coming next then for ESG? Um, what are the risks and, and the opportunities? Ah, it's really hard to say what's coming next. The landscape is pretty confused for the time being. Yes. Quite a big difference between um, Europe and the US. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously the debate has become really very divisive in the US. Mm. Um, and so whether Europe and the US are going to go slightly different directions on this now, I don't know. There were very... Um, strong statements coming out of Davos, for example, with some of the CEOs who, who were there saying, this is just common sense. Let's yeah. stop talking about ESG as a concept um, and talk about what lies beneath it and how yeah. that is just the right thing for us to be doing as business mm. leaders. And so I hope it goes in that direction and there's less obsession around the acronym. Yeah. Um, and I hope that the new and enhanced reporting requirements really help 
boards and organizations think through how does this fit in our context? How does that fit with our purpose? My view is it's not going away, um, but exactly how it evolves is hard to predict. How can governance professionals ensure that the board makes steady progress um, over the year or the next few years against its ESG targets? Um, What can they do to stop it falling off the agenda? or just becoming a one-time discussion where that's done and we don't come back to it. You mentioned the ESG committee earlier, and to my mind, that's part of looking at whether you have overall the appropriate governance structures in place for your board Mm. to address ESG. So I think that would be step number one. The second thing you need to do is look at refining your board processes and practices to make sure that all of those different elements of ESG are getting properly addressed. Mm -hmm. Um, Back to that old adage of what doesn't get measured doesn't get done. Agreeing with the board, what are we going to measure and how, and what are the expectations in terms of how that's reported back to you? What kind of frequency, what level of, of, of information? As with any other issue that the board is overseeing, Um, That level of agreeing on the reporting, the KPIs, the metrics is Mm. really important. Um, Otherwise, it does risk falling off the cliff. All of those important aspects of ESG agreed by the board would make their way into a kind of annual board agenda planner. um, Mm. And that way, company secretary and the chair and the CEO together make sure that you keep on track of them. Um, So I think, you know, you need to look at all of your board processes and refine them depending on what the board agrees is important in the context of ESG. And are there any recommended ways of assessing where the board's at and with ESG and and mapping its progress? What sorts of metrics are available for measuring progress on ESG? There's so much out there, Rachel. I I mean, Mm. I don't think there is, unfortunately, not yet, one standard way of mapping it um, and keeping track of it. There's lots of different things that I've seen in different board packs from different consultancies um, or that have been devised internally. Mm. Um, But there's no standards and there's no one Mm. size fits all. Thankfully, in terms of reporting, we seem to be moving in that direction. There are some really comprehensive frameworks in terms of what boards should be looking at and it breaks Mm. down the E into various different aspects and the S and the G. They've been put out by some of the the big four and other consultancies. Mm. I think some of those could be really helpful if you're kind of starting on the journey or even if you're partway through the journey and you're thinking, I just really need to kind of reassess and make sure that Mm. we're still up to speed. Um, Well, thank you so much. That's really interesting insight into where we are now with ESG how companies can break it down to what's what's relevant for them and their purpose and strategy and really keep that in mind to make sure they don't get overwhelmed by what can seem quite a broad topic. Uh, well, thank you very much for your insights today, Susan. It's been really interesting. You're really welcome, Rachel. It's been a pleasure. Engage Governance. Look out for more podcasts coming soon. We would like to thank our sponsors and experts for supporting the launch of the Engage Governance podcast series. To access more podcasts and other useful governance tools, like our guidance notes, blogs and articles, please visit www.cgi.org.uk.